This morning, we are going to have a standalone sermon where we're going to be discussing seeking the kingdom of God above all things. And um, Eric is going to be preaching out of Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. Um, So if you have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to encourage you to turn there with us. Um, Again, it's Luke 12, 22 through 34. And if you're able, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And of which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I hope you had a good Christmas. Glad I'm glad three people did. That's awesome. Guess a lot of you saw family. Maybe that was difficult for you. Uh, but my name is Eric. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, I serve on support staff here. It's actually my first time here. I just grabbed the mic, so this is going to be fun. Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, so like she said, we've got a standalone series. Uh, or not series, but sermon today, and we're going to be talking about seeking the kingdom, or to maybe word it another way, uh, living a kingdom life. And what I mean is simply uh, having a life that is lived for the kingdom of God first and foremost, as opposed to anything else that you might live for. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, This is cool because we're right on the cusp of 2019, so right around this time, everyone's trying to figure out what they're going to change for the new year. Maybe you're going to eat better, maybe you're going to exercise more, maybe you already got that gym membership that you're going to cancel in February, right? Uh, but we're, we're making commitments, saying, okay, this is what I want to do, and that can be a very good habit, especially when it's gospel-centered, right? Uh, but we're, we're trying to make some differences in our lives, um, and so this is kind of a cool time to maybe focus on uh, what's important in our lives, what Jesus has called us to uh, live for every single day, not just in the new year to make resolutions for, but to live for the kingdom of God is what we've been called into if we believe in Jesus. And so uh, this is a good time to just kind of consider that question and and maybe focus on some things that Jesus has for us in this text. Uh, And so that's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, We can see Jesus in this text getting to not just telling us 
that we should seek the kingdom, but actually uh, getting to the heart of maybe why we uh, fail to do that. We can see Jesus uh, talking about our anxieties and our fears in this text. Um, and so he, he is giving us some insight, giving us some commands to not do those things and to do the things that we should do, but also he has laid out for us in here within these commands some arguments, some truths, some promises for us to believe so that we could battle anxiety and fear and we could live for the kingdom. This is what Jesus is giving us today. Um, and so the key to overcoming our anxiety is, and our fears is not in solving our problems by ourselves or taking things into our own hands, but in trusting God and his promises. Trusting God and in his promises. And it is when we do this that we are freed from the chains of fear and therefore freed to live for his kingdom. Um, so that's my goal today. I want to read something from George Mueller. He uh, lived in the 1800s. He uh, had a church in, in Bristol for a lot of his life. He opened an orphanage. We've quoted him before. Uh, but in one of his sermons in his first church in Bristol, he, he said this. He said, I now ask you... Um, Actually, sorry, this wasn't in his sermon in Bristol. It was in Bristol, but it was in uh, his uh, autobiography that he wrote. It's called The Autobiography of George Mueller. Um, he says, I now ask you, my dear reader, a few questions in all love, because I do seek your welfare. I do not wish to put these questions to you without putting them first to my own heart. Do you make it your primary business, your first great concern, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Are the things of God the honor of his name, the welfare of his church, the conversion of sinners, and the profit of your own soul, your chief aim? Or does your business, your family, or your own temporal concerns in some shape or other primarily occupy your attention? Uh, so this is a guy with a pastor's heart asking that question. That's the question I posed as this morning is, uh, is that our chief concern is that our aim to seek the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, uh, or do other concerns maybe occupy our attention more than they should? Uh, I think that's what Jesus is talking about in this text today and what we're going to address. So we're gonna get into this text. We're gonna look at five uh, truths and or promises that we can cling to and believe that will, by God's grace, free us to live for him. Um, so I would just like to pray, and uh, we'll, we'll get into the text today. So if you guys would bow your heads with me. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just this opportunity to consider the, the new year. Um, we are people who always fail, and so getting fresh starts like this is always a joy because it's a reminder that though we fail and will continue to fail, um, you, you love us. You love us still. You still uh, are there to pick us up and encourage us and empower us with your Holy Spirit to build your kingdom. God, you have invited us into the joy of building your kingdom. You have given us the grace and mercy to be involved with what you're doing in the world. And it's not because we earned our way into that, but simply because you died for us, you made the sacrifice for us, became wrath for us so that we might have life and get to walk with you and be heirs with you of the kingdom of your son, and so God, thank you for that, and, and I pray that today you would encourage us to believe you, 
to take you at your word simply and truthfully to enjoy the blessings and the promises that we have in Jesus Christ today. God, would you help us to do that so as we approach 2019 and beyond for the rest of every uh, year that you will give us that we might live for you and you alone and take our utmost joy in you. So God, we pray, help us right now. Help us in your word, Holy Spirit, to understand and believe. And we ask this in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Awesome. And I do want to mention something as I kind of talk here because Jesus does give us some things to do. And I always, when I'm talking about uh, just a lot of commands we have, which are good to talk about, I always like to mention, don't miss uh, the gospel in all of these things. God definitely commands us to do things, uh, but he knows that we are not perfect. And I'm not trying to um, basically encourage you to earn favor with God today or anything like that. It's only in Christ and what he's done for us. But I do believe the scriptures are encouraging us to faithful action today. So uh, five truths or promises. The first one is life uh, is more than food and clothing. And look at verse 22 and verse 23. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And so life is more than these things. What Jesus is doing here is he is talking about some of the, the needs that we might have, okay? Uh, this is not meant to be an exhaustive list of all the needs of, of, of mankind, but it is simply, uh, I think, and practically uh, needs that Jesus is using as an example that everyone needs, right? Everyone needs clothing and everyone needs food. These are things that universally, unless you're at age two, you could say that you need, right? You need clothes, because uh, that would be awkward, and you needed to protect your body, and you also need food, because if you didn't eat food this next month, you would die, right? And so these are needs that we have. But I don't think this is meant to be an exhaustive list uh, of all the needs that there are in life. You could probably mention a lot of, of things that you might need. Uh, and so just to kind of name a few, um, you may need clothing or food. You may need to pay bills. You may need a car. Uh, you may kind of need to have a retirement plan, um, some needs and struggles maybe with your health or your job or maybe the need to feel loved and respected, etc. There are many things on a daily basis that we probably worry about. Now, odds are most of us in here aren't going to go home and starve today. Odds are most of you uh, probably have enough clothes in your closet. I'm not saying that about everyone, but odds are that we probably don't have maybe some of these needs that we think about on a, a daily basis if how we're going to eat. Maybe it's, oh, it's Sunday, so I can't eat Chick-fil-A. That's frustrating, right? But you're probably not thinking, oh, I don't know how I'm going to eat today, right? There's a difference, and you know it's true because every Sunday, that's when you really desire Chick-fil-A, and it's not open. You pull into the driveway, wondering why the line's so short, because no one's there, okay? Happens every time. But notice... Um, in verse 22, that Jesus says, therefore, I tell you. And when we see that word, therefore, it's really a bridge to what was said before. So he's referencing something that's already been said. So he's saying this, therefore, this. And so he's referencing, there's a parable right before this. And really the whole chapter of Luke 12 here is talking about uh, fear, right? It mentions that, you know, Jesus says you shouldn't fear those who could kill the body, but he who can kill both your body and soul in hell, right? Saying you should fear God over the fear of man. But in this parable, he tells this parable of the rich fool. I'm not gonna read it all because I feel like if I did, that would be a whole sermon within itself. It's a really good parable, a lot of rich imagery in there for us. But in general, here's what Jesus is referencing as he goes into this comment and starts to talk about our anxieties. 
He tells this parable of a rich person. His crops produced plentiful is what it says. So he had an abundance of crops, and he thought, what am I going to do with all of these crops, all of this food that I have? And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down all my barns, I'll build bigger barns, and then I'll put all my crops in there so it could fit all my crops in there. And then what I'll do is I will be satisfied. I will tell myself, soul, relax, right? He tells himself, relax, eat, drink, be merry, for you got ample goods laid up for you for many years. And so he's like, man, I got, I got tons of stuff laid up. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to work. I don't have to do anything. I can rest and be content because I have all these things. And then what happens in the parable is God comes to him and says, you fool. This night your soul is required of you. And these things that you have, whose will they be? And he says, so it is for the person that is not rich toward God. That's a pretty intense parable, right? This guy feels secure. He has all these things laid up. For him for many years in this life and then God says tonight you're dying your soul's required of you and all your crops that you have are not going to be able to save you right they're not going to be able to support you uh, and so I've always read that parable I thought yeah this parable is obviously teaching us that we shouldn't be materialistic right that we should uh not be greedy for all of these things but as I was kind of kind of reading through it again I thought man this person is not just a greedy person this rich fool but he is trusting in what he has in this life. That's what it was. He was trusting. He found security in his ample goods, right? All of his crops that he built in these, these store barns. And so um, the point of what Jesus is saying and I think what he segues into our anxiety is that we can't rely on the things that we have. We can't rely on our needs being met by practical means uh, for us to be secure. It's got to go deeper than that, right? Because you could die or you barn could burn down metaphorically if you will or things could happen to where uh, life hits you and all of a sudden your support that you thought you had that was so strong is now gone and you got nothing to fall on right uh, and so that that's kind of what he's pointing into and so that kind of leads us into this thing this this talking about life is more than food more than clothing life is more than our immediate physical needs that we may have and so I just want to say that life is so much more than these things. It's important to think about. Listen to this. Life is life with Christ. It is knowing and worshiping the God of the universe. It is sharing in the gospel with the saints and seeing souls converted from eternal darkness into eternal light as they believe and embrace their Savior. Oh, that the excitement of what we have been caught up in would outshine the misery of anxiously waiting for our needs to be met. We have been called to something so much greater than having a, an easy life, so much greater than having our immediate needs met. Now, this doesn't mean that we neglect our needs and our families and all of those things. I think that should be obvious, but if it's not, I want to say it, okay? It doesn't mean we're lazy. It doesn't mean we quit our job. It doesn't mean that we should just say, you know what, God's gonna do it. I'm gonna put a finger to it. I'm just gonna relax and see what God does because that's probably how you could end up homeless, right? It's not good to do that. Um, so it doesn't mean that we're neglectful, but it does mean that these things are not our chief concern. Life is more than those practical needs. Our chief concern has gotta be higher it's got to be higher. It's such a, and we'll get into this, but, you know, anyone could seek after those needs. But life is, is so much higher. And so I would say life is 
not not those things, but it's definitely not mainly those things. I know that sounds really confusing, but life is not not those things. That's not really good English, but I used it anyways. Uh, but it is definitely way more than those things. And so uh, Jesus is encouraging us that um, uh, our daily needs being meant, I get like, and I don't want to be like, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't want to be... Uh, can't think of a word. I'm not really good with words, but I don't want to be neglectful to, to, to mention that I know there are real needs in the room. There are real needs, and when you're struggling with those needs, it is, it is a hard thing. I don't want to neglect that. I don't want to gloss over that. I don't want to make your needs petty, but I think Jesus is encouraging us, no matter how desperate your need is, remember, life is way more than these things. And that should be an encouragement that we cling to, that we rejoice in, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of feeling. You know, in our culture, it's so easy to compare your life to other people's lives. So you look on social media and you see what other people's have, and then you look at your immediate needs, and you think, oh, why are their needs met and, and, and my needs aren't met? And we start to kind of compare and we get frustrated. And so take courage that life is more than these things. In the grand scheme of eternity and the gospel, they begin to seem a little petty. The second thing that I see in the text that we should be encouraging is that we are valuable to God. We are valuable to God. And look at verse 24, and I want to skip down to verse 27 and 28. Verse 24 says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Verse 27, Consider the lilies. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And so God cares. Jesus points to two things in nature right here to give an example. He points to the ravens and he points to the lilies. Here's what he says about the ravens. The ravens don't work as farmers do. They don't have storehouses and barns, which is a direct reference to the parable before, right, about the rich fool who had all these barns. He's saying, listen, the ravens don't have any of those things, yet God does not neglect to feed them. So if God sovereignly cares for something as insignificant as the ravens, so much so that he is willing to sovereignly feed them in his great goodness, right, um, how much more so is God willing to feed you? Jesus says, consider this. Think about this, right? And then he says, consider the lilies, I just put this because I thought it was too good to pass up, but this immediately makes flower gazing manly, okay? Because Jesus said to do it. So if you are a man in this room and you don't enjoy admiring the beauty of a flower, you are missing out, all right? Jesus says, consider the lilies. So consider them. Um, anyways, I thought that was important. He says they don't toil, they don't spin, which is a reference to making clothing, uh, so the, the, the flowers don't make their clothes. He says, I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. And so arguably the, the most wealthy and adorned king that has ever lived was not as beautiful as one of the flowers who do absolutely nothing to make themselves beautiful. Totally passive. God does it all. And if he does that for the flowers, how much more would he do that for you? Oh, you have little faith. And so Jesus is showing you are much more valuable than ravens, than lilies. You are made in the image of God. And this is crazy. I mean, think about this, because if you've read through the Bible, right, I mean, the Bible does not have a lot of good things to say about us. Like, by nature, we are not valuable. By nature, we are um, 
wicked by nature. We are rebels against the Most High God. By nature, we deserve nothing but hell and death. And yet God, in his mercy, through Jesus Christ, his son, looks at you and takes value. And I love it because it's not based on you earning it. It's not based on you being lovely. It's based on the grace of God himself. You're valuable. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you will do. You are valuable if you are in Christ. And that is a a beautiful thing that we can cling to. So when you're anxious and you're frustrated and you're worried that God's not going to provide or God's not going to give you the life that you need or want or God's not going to supply what you are lacking, you can cling to the promise, I'm valuable. I don't know why, but I am. Don't know why, but he loves me. I'm valuable. Um, And I don't think that's something we talk about enough, but I want that to sink in this morning. You are, are valued. As Brendan mentioned uh, in worship a few weeks ago, out of Zephaniah 3.17, it says that God will rejoice over us with loud singing, right? We are valued. It's beautiful. It's the gospel. The third thing, which I know you were waiting for, is we are powerless. We are powerless. We should rejoice that we are powerless. Verse 25 and 26 says this. This is kind of in the middle of him talking about our value. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? I love that God calls that a small thing, right? Because to us, that's not a small thing. But he says, which of you, by being worried, can make your life longer? Right now, being anxious about your life, what's going to be provided for you, which of you, out of the anxiety of your heart, can extend that and make that longer? The answer would be nobody, right? Nobody can. We are absolutely powerless to extend our lives. And, and, and I, love, I love that Jesus points out just the, um, I don't know a good word. I don't think this is a word. This is the, um, the silliness of our anxiety, right? It can't add anything. It can't solve anything. It, it is silly. Uh, the other day I was, I was driving. My dad was in town or whatever for uh, the holidays and we went to his store on New Year's Eve, which is a horrible idea, by the way. And so we're, we're driving back, and my, you know, we spent much longer than we were supposed to. And so my two-year-old is way more hungry than he should have been. And he gets really, really angry when he's hungry, right, just like most kids do. So he's in the back, I mean, crying, saying all these things. He's really getting his, voice, like, words down. So he's got a lot of mean things to say now, not just cute cries, you know. And he's just freaking out. And my dad turned to me and said, it's so funny, you know, what you learn from kids. He said, for him right now, he is so stressed out and worried, you know, but, but for the adult, it's like, dude, just calm down. We're five minutes from the house. I'll get you a snack when we get there, right? It's like we, we can't see. And in the same way, our anxiety is that silly. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he preached a sermon called Needless Fears in 1874 in London, and this is what he said in his sermon. He said, we are such strange creatures that we probably suffer more under the blows which never fall upon us than we do under uh, those which do actually come. We probably suffer more under the things that never actually, the fears that we have that never actually come to us that are kind of probably meaningless fears because we know the promises of God than we actually do the the sufferings that come our way. It's like in anxiety, we trick ourselves uh, into thinking that if I could just focus enough, I could just worry enough that maybe something will happen, but it's just, it's futile. It doesn't solve anything. You are powerless We need to take joy in our weakness, right? That's why Paul said, when I am weak, I am strong. Christ uh, is made strong in my weakness. And so we see the glory of God, the power of God, the might of God, the work of God in our powerlessness. And so we should embrace that. We are 
powerless. So Jesus is saying, you are powerless to work things out in your lives, but we are in desperate need of God, his wisdom, his power. This should cause us to rejoice. If we don't have the power to sovereignly move things in our lives or to add to our lives to meet our needs, then we should not bear the burden as if we had the power. That is not our burden to bear. It is God's. We obey, we trust. God is the one that has the power. He's the one that bears the burden, amen? Number four is our Father knows our needs. Look at verse 29 through 31. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So do not seek what you are to eat or or what you're gonna wear, because God knows. God tells us that we don't need to spend our energy seeking our own needs, because all of the nations of the world seek after those things and they don't have God as their father, right? There's a distinct difference between when he's talking about all the nations, uh, it's talking about the non-believing world is what he's referencing there. And he's saying all, all of those people that don't have me as their father, they, they seek after those things because they have no other means to get those things, right? But you, you have a father who knows everything you need. God is not um, indifferent to your situation. It may feel sometimes like maybe God is removed, right? Like, God, do you have any idea what's going on? Can't you see that I'm suffering? Can't you see that it's hard? Can't you see that I have needs here that aren't being met? God is not indifferent. God is not removed. God is very much aware. God is very much in tune with your life more than you are. God is so aware of your needs that he knows what you need more than you know what you need. And he's not indifferent. That is not the gospel. If you are in Christ, you have him as your father. You become heirs with Christ, right? You have received the sonship of Christ despite your wickedness. Therefore, you get to have God as your father and he cares. It doesn't mean he doesn't discipline and he doesn't mean that he gives you everything that you want, but it does mean that he cares. It does mean that he's not indifferent. It does mean that he's very aware, very in tune, very caring in the midst of your hardship or something that you are anxious about. Like I said, it doesn't mean that you'll never lack clothing or you'll never lack food because Christians starve. That's true. Christians die. Christians struggle. Um, God is not pointing out here that, that nothing bad is ever gonna happen to you, but he is pointing out that he will supply all of your needs. Uh, sometimes your needs aren't what you perceive. Sometimes there's perceived needs and then real needs, right? Because God is not simply after your temporary welfare, but he is after your eternal holiness. John Piper said this, he said, do not think because you experience adversity that the hand of the Lord is shortened. It is not our prosperity, but our holiness that he seeks with all of his heart. God seeks your holiness because he loves you. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be faithful and hopeful and prayerful about the needs that we have and just say, you know what, God's sovereign, he's gonna handle it, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I think we should be very much uh, praying through these things, giving our needs to God, believing that he will provide those needs, and then at the end of it all, trusting that he's a good father and he already knows everything that we need and we can trust him no matter what it looks like. Does that make sense? So this doesn't mean we neglect prayer. It doesn't mean we neglect faith. 
because we're called to believe upon God that he will provide, right? But it does mean that we trust, no matter what the circumstance looks like, um, we can trust in him. And so he says, don't, don't seek after these things. God knows. God will provide. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. You can trust. They will be added to you. Your needs will be met. Therefore, seek the kingdom. You can kind of see where this is going, but I want to point out one more promise before um, we continue on. Um, so once again, just to hit on that point before we move on, if, if, you do, if you have felt like God is distant and you have felt like God is removed, um, just know he cares deeply for your soul. He knows what you need. You will never lack what you need in Christ. You will only gain more than you need in Christ. You are uh, heirs of the kingdom. So the last one is it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. That is one of the most amazing verses I have ever read. Verse 32 to 34, let's just read it together. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God says, don't be afraid, little flock. It's a reference to sheep, right? We are dumb sheep. We have no ability to save ourselves from the wolves, but God is our good shepherd, says, don't be afraid, little flock. Why? Because it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is God's absolute delight and joy to give you his kingdom. We are heirs with Christ of the promised kingdom. This is a great promise for us. Not only do we not have to be afraid of our needs not being meant, but God gives us everything we could ever need and ask for in giving us the kingdom. The everlasting kingdom of God is ours. We will reign with Christ and we will enjoy the blessings of his sonship for all of eternity. This is a reflection of Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. You don't have to turn there, it's gonna be on the screen, but it says this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness that our, with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. So we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear and anxiety and worry. We have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So there is a distinct Thing about us and that is this that we have been adopted into the family of God and we call God Father that is a beautiful thing that we get to call God Father and just like a good father uh, as we receive this son like we get to be heirs with Christ we get to be like we are the firstborn son heirs of the kingdom God in his mercy and his grace gives you the kingdom what more could you ask for than the kingdom, right? Like it's not just a portion of the kingdom. He gives you his kingdom. We get to be in the kingdom of God. And I think just as we dwell on this, man, does it make our fears look silly, right? In light of this, I'm not saying your fears are silly. I'm not saying that they're not real and intense and there are suffering in your life. But in comparison, right, it makes it look silly that we are so afraid sometimes, that we are so distrusting in 
in God. And it's not like God is forced into doing this. It's not like some higher power said, God, you gotta give him the kingdom or else, right? That's not what happened. It is his good pleasure in giving us the kingdom. God bids us not to worry about our temporal needs and struggles like we do in this life, but to look to the eternal kingdom that awaits us and to seek that first. It's the better portion. It's our true hope that we wait for in the kingdom. So, as we walk in these truths, as we walk in these promises that God has given us, and we see him defeat our anxieties and our fears, this frees us to live for the kingdom. This is why he can say in verse 31, instead, seek the kingdom of God, and the rest of these things will be added unto you. There's, there's something that is amazing about this as we uh, face our anxieties and our fears and our worries about this life as God quenches those by the power of his word, by the power of believing in his promises. This now frees us to live for the kingdom, right? Because now what becomes most important, of chief importance, is not that my daily needs would be met, though we are taught to pray for those things. It's not those things that drive me when I get up in the morning. It is the kingdom of God, right? That's what should be driving us and motivating us. It frees us to do that because we know we already have the kingdom. Therefore, to go build the kingdom is a great joy for us. But if you don't have that promise of the kingdom, that's what makes you trying to build your own kingdom, right? You kind of got these, these two kingdoms involved here where you're trying to build your own life, you're trying to make sure your needs are met, you're trying to do all these things for yourself when really you've already been given way more than you could ever produce for yourself by God, invited into his kingdom. And so this should uh, reorient, if you will, our lives a little bit uh, of how we live, what we live for. I mean, think about this. When you're looking at the year ahead, maybe you had a rough year, maybe you had a good year in 2018, you're looking at 2019, like, what, what things are you like, oh man, I got to do these things or I'm really anxious about making sure these things happen or you know what, I'm gonna really prove myself this year. I'm gonna make sure I'm not in the same circumstance I was last year or whatever it may be. You know, we start to look at these fears and we gotta be reminded that we are disciples of Christ. Uh, we, we are not of this world anymore, right? Our citizenship is in heaven I love when Jesus stands before Pilate and Pilate is asking him and questioning him, are you really a king uh, and he starts talking about, well, where's your kingdom if you're a king? And I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus simply tells him that if my kingdom were of this world, my disciples would be fighting. But they're not because my kingdom is not of this world. Maybe save Peter who just cut some guy's ear off. He was trying to fight. But all the other disciples outside of Judas too got it right maybe. I don't know. But he's saying that they're not fighting because my kingdom is not of this world. It's of heaven. So instead of worrying about your needs and making those your chief concern and seeking after those needs. Seek the kingdom of God first and foremost. Seek after God's kingdom and your needs, I promise you, by the grace of God, will be met. He will take care of it all as we seek the kingdom and put that first. This is a promise that he gives us. It's not an empty promise. It is Jesus Christ himself who makes this promise, the one who rose from the dead and gives us grace to live in him. So, as we go into 2019, let us take Jesus at his word. Let us believe at what he promised is true for us. It has its yes and amen in Jesus Christ himself, and we can move forward with confidence. And so let us ask the question, not how can we meet our needs, but how will we build the kingdom? How will we delight ourselves in God? 
How will we know him in his word? How will we orient our finances so that the kingdom might be built? How will we encourage the saints and share in the gospel with one another? How will we spread the gospel to the ends of the earth so that others might be invited into the kingdom? How will we pray for these things? How will we fight off the anxiety, the fear, the temptation to neglect the kingdom and focus on our needs again? How, how will we do this? These are questions we should ask ourselves. And, and my answer would simply be, we believe and rest and rejoice in the promises of God. And then we begin to ask those questions from there. Not from, oh, I gotta do better because I'm, I've been a bad Christian. Though that may be true. Probably for all of us, right? Amen. But that's not where we ask the question from. We ask the question from, God loves me. He's given me his kingdom. It's a short life. And then I'm there. I'm there, baby. He's got my back. He said I'll provide everything along the way for the journey. I don't gotta worry about it. I can go. He gave us an example in the disciples where he said, don't take any extra clothes, don't take any money, just go and preach the gospel. And, and that was an example of our lives. He says, go, spread the gospel, build the kingdom, live for me, glorify me, enjoy me, seek after me and the kingdom, and I promise you I'll provide for you. I promise you your needs will be met, but don't neglect these things. We often think that we will be in a better place if we just buckle down and we just fix our problem on our own, right? We just make everything right by ourselves. Uh, we often think that in doing that, then we'll be in a place where it says, oh, okay, now finally, I got there, so I'm gonna be good. Now I can go build the kingdom of God. But you know the issue with that thinking is that time never comes. You're never in a good place to build the kingdom of God. There's always gonna be pressing needs. There's always gonna be things that frustrate you. There's always gonna be worries and anxieties that come to you. And so you can't just buckle down and fix it and then you'll build the kingdom. Yeah, I'll seek the kingdom as soon as this or that or whatever. It doesn't work that way. It's, a, it's an empty promise that you, you make to yourself. Uh, and so instead of rather taking into our own hands, uh, let's commit to trusting God once again at his word and building his kingdom. Then we can live for God's kingdom um, truthfully. Um, and so providence, that, that's my plea to you this morning is, is seek the kingdom, seek the kingdom. Um, we should be a different people. We have God as our Father. He loves us. He cares for us. He's promised us things. Life is way more than what we can see if we look just to the things that are seen. That's why he encourages us to look to the things that are not seen, right? Um, he's provided everything we need in him, and we should feel encouraged and emboldened to be a different people a different people that seek the kingdom, that spread the gospel, that enjoy um, putting others first and uh, using our resources, our time, our talents, our, our, our energy to build his kingdom. And so let's pray that together this morning. Let's pray for God's grace to do so. Uh, and let's ask him to just reorient our hearts this morning. You know, we, it's not something we can do, go out of here and try to do our, ourselves. It doesn't work that way. We're powerless, right? We're powerless to do it. But in God's grace, by his Holy Spirit, um, he can grant us to do these things. And so if you would bow your heads with me, I would like to pray for us and we'll, we will move on. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for your words in Luke chapter 12. 
I, I, I am, am both convicted and encouraged. Convicted because, God, I always try to take matters into my own hands. I always feel like I need to fix my problems, um, and then I can focus on you wholeheartedly. But, God, it's just not true. Would you give us grace this morning to experience your love, to experience the gospel, to experience that you love us as a good father and that you care for us and that you promise us that we will never lack what we need. You will always supply what we need and much more. And so we have nothing to fear. As you command at the end of that text, sell your possessions, give to the poor, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. God, I pray we would do that. The treasures of this life, they fade. They can't last, they won't last, God, but treasures in heaven will always be there and we're heading towards them. And so God, would you in your grace, just would you help us to repent today? Would you help us to believe you at your word for those who have a lot of anxiety and worry and stress about life right now? God, would you ease the stress? Would you ease the anxiety by your promises, by your word? Would you give your word power this morning to encourage us and embolden us God, give us grace. We want to be a different people. We want to live for you. We know there's more joy there. We know that it's better, but God, we don't always believe. God, you're in control. You care. Would you quiet our fears? Would you help us to live kingdom lives for your glory by your grace? We pray this in Jesus' mighty name.